Julie, occasionally there's a medical story that is sweeping the news cycle that we decide is important enough to grab a friend and address as soon as possible on our show. And today we're going to do just that with semiglutide, better known as Ozempic or Wagovi. The drug has been around and approved for diabetes management since 2017 under the name Ozempic, but in 2021 was approved by the FDA for weight loss without diabetes under the name Wagovi. Today, thanks to viral videos of celebrities and influencers raving about their health and weight loss with the drug, the hashtags semiglutide or Wagovi have over 800 million views on TikTok. In addition, the American Academy of Pediatrics recently released new guidelines that support the use of the drug in kids as young as 12 for weight loss, adding to the fire. So with this popularity has also come a lot of controversy. There have been shortages, making it hard for diabetics to get the medication. The medication itself is expensive, with GoodRx reporting a one-month supply around $1,300. There are concerns about the side effects and the risks of taking it long-term, both in adults and kids. And frankly, I think people are having a very difficult time separating the myth from fact, as well as what is this drug actually doing. So all of this is occurring within a society that craves thinness. It stigmatizes large bodies and has a hard time navigating the difference between being truly healthy and fitting what we believe should be normal. So today we're going to bring on one of our favorite guests, our favorite pharmacist to help us understand semiglutide. What is it? How does it work? Is it safe? What have studies shown? And really, just to address this up front, there may be some words or terminology in this episode that may be triggering for some, such as obesity. We will not be addressing obesity as a condition, the stigma associated with it, and the controversies within the world of body habitus. Our goal today is really a brief episode to put out just the facts on the drug and to help those who are confused by the Google searches and the media articles. These topics are really, really important. We plan to address them in the future. They're conversations we want to have. But really, today, we want to get to the nitty-gritty of what really is semi-glutide. So that was a lot of talking, Julie. Anything you want to add to that? No, I think that was great. And this is a direct response to specific questions that we have fielded from Instagram and other platforms that were sent directly to us asking, please, can you do an, an episode on Ozempic Wegovi uh, semaglutide? So the, you ask, we answered. Here we go, baby. Let's go. Welcome to your doctor friends, the show that teaches you to sniff out the garbage and answers all the questions that you wish you could call or text your doctor friend. My name's Julie Bruni. And I'm Jeremy Allen, and we are two physicians who work at a nationally ranked practice and take care of some of the world's greatest athletes. We know that you have questions and we want to help. We want to be your doctor friends. All right, welcome back. We're so excited to bring back friend of the podcast, pharmacy expert, Greg Castelli. Welcome back to the podcast, Greg. Thanks for having me back. I will love my first time. I'm going to love the second time, too. It's always a lot of fun to be with you, too. Yeah, I mean, the last time you were here, we did cold in uh, uh, sinus aisle. And, uh, you know, I think that is still very pertinent around now. So anybody listening to this podcast who wants to stay in the pharma aisle after this podcast, go on and check Greg's last episode where he tells you everything about over-the-counter sinus uh, products or cold and sinus products. So, all right, let's start really, really simple here. Like, what is semiglutide, which is the generic name for Ozempic and Wagovi? Yeah, so semaglutide, um, as you said on the onset of the podcast, is a drug that was originally formulated for diabetes. Um, it's in a class of medications called glucagon-like peptide agonists. Um, that's a really fancy way of saying that it mimics a hormone in our body um, that your body already produces. And the effects of it really do help with um, some of the diabetes control and can help people lose weight. 
So yeah, that's the sort of the drug class. Are there other medications similar to this? Like what, what is it cousins to? Yeah. So within the same class of semaglutide, there are several other medications that work the same way in this GLP class. Um, if you're listening to this and you have diabetes, you've probably heard of medications like Genuvia. That's a similar uh, medication that works kind of the same way, but it doesn't have the same pronounced effect that the GLP-1s do on weight loss and diabetes control. Greg, I remember these medications um, to a certain extent when they started to come out. I feel like, um, you know, semi-glutide wasn't out when you and I were training together, but the, the some of the other ones were. And I remember mm-hmm. the kind of the feeling was, yeah, it's great to have another diabetes medication, but it seems like it's completely out of reach for most people. It's very expensive. And I don't even remember how effective they are. So can you kind of touch on like since that time and evolving for now, are these good diabetes drugs? Yeah. I mean, let me just first start off by saying a little bit more about how they work. Mm -hmm. So um, for patients with diabetes, they increase the amount of insulin that's available after you eat. um, And that's an important factor of controlling your blood sugar. Um, They can help by decreasing the opposing um, uh, molecule in your body called glucagon. Um, And so by decreasing glucagon, you know, you don't have as much sugar around. Um, And where I think they really help with some of this weight loss benefit is that they slow down the gastric emptying or the time it takes for the food to travel through your belly. Um, And that's important because it may help you feel fuller. It may help you not go for that second, uh, you know, hamburger that that I know you like, Jeremy. Um, I like hamburgers. (laughs) and, uh, And it can even help some regulate your impulse in the brain to go and get more food. So that's some of the mechanisms of how it's good for patients with diabetes and also um, for for those that may want to lose weight. Um, You know, we we have had classes, this medications in this class for probably over a decade. Um, They're pretty effective for diabetes. And I would say that probably the main um, positive for them is that they're weight neutral or they cause folks to gain to lose weight. So, um, you know, other medications like insulin that we would use to treat diabetes, those cause people to gain weight, and that's not ideal for those with diabetes. This class of medications does not do that and actually, you know, causes weight loss for some. Yeah, that's really um, an interesting comment about the concept of why people lose weight on it, understanding the gastric emptying and kind of like you feeling fuller is is an awesome uh, point for people to understand. Was that, I, I have this vague memory of that being like something that people found out later on, kind of like a lot of these drugs where you do something and then you get this other effect, you know, the classic Viagra story where you're like, you're trying to treat blood pressure and next thing you know, you have a bunch of erections around. So like in this situation, like, I feel like, I feel like there was a, a really good diabetes effect. And then we started to notice that it was weight neutral and people were losing weight. Is that kind of how this happened? Absolutely. And like I said, um, you know, these these uh, pharmaceutical companies, they look at what's already there and try to tweak it. So they saw that Genuvia was somewhat effective for folks with diabetes and said, how can we work on the same pathway to, to make a different class of medications? And then born were the GLP-1s. And, and so now we have these medications that, that are working for diabetes. And as you get more and more data, you're starting to see that, oh, people aren't gaining weight. Oh, people are losing weight the higher the dose they're on. And, and boom, we're, we're where we are today. I feel like uh, a a similar trend, but it didn't really go in that direction, was uh, around the time of talking about weight neutral or weight whatever oral contraceptive pills. And I feel like that didn't go this way, 
where there was concepts of like, well, this birth control pill makes you lose weight a little bit or it makes you not gain weight. And so that's how a lot of them were being marketed to people that take OCPs. And then in the end, it was really all a nothing burger. And most of them are completely weight neutral. Is that kind of a correct statement? Would you agree with that, Greg? Yeah, I I agree. Except in this case, you know, I think they were maybe correct in touting some of these benefits yeah. and, and we're seeing them, the, the effects in both our individual patients that, you know, the three of us see in our family health centers, but also um, across studies that have been published over the last several years. People are familiar with, you know, insulin. That's usually an injection. They're familiar with, um, you know, metformin's maybe the most common diabetes drug. That's a pill. Like, how are these drugs administered and taken? Yeah. So um, this class of medications, except for one, is all administered via an injection. Um, they're uh, subcutaneous injections, so it goes right in your belly or the outer part of your thigh. Um, the medications that we started talking about, the semaglutide uh medications are once a week. Um, some of these medications are administered daily. Um, and for you guys that are keeping score at home, uh, semaglutide actually has an oral form. That's the brand name Ribelsis. Um, and you, patients can take that. It's only approved for, for diabetes right now. And there are some administration considerations there, but by and large, if you're going to get one of these medications, you'll be injecting yourself with it. Got it. The, losing weight aspect of this was theoretically a side effect, although now we're kind of looking at it as an effect as things like Wagovi have come out. But maybe talk about some other common side effects that people have when they take these medications. For sure. If if I'm seeing somebody in the office, I'm definitely talking about any of those GI, stomach, uh, belly upset things that can happen. So the most common side effects that, that we'll review are diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. Um, some patients, because you know, it slows down the, the time it takes for food to pass through your belly. Um, they can end up with some distension or feeling of bloated. Um, again, we, we mentioned before that the way that they may help people lose weight is a decreased appetite. And so for some, that's not a great side effect to have, especially if you're not trying to lose weight and just control your sugars. Um, and then just kind of that dyspepsia, heartburn, feeling like you're, you're sick to your stomach are, are all really common side effects. Um, you get the run of the mill headaches too. Um, th those you have to watch out for with, with a lot of medications. Um, and the one thing that I think might surprise even the two of you is there have been reports of, um, diabetic retinopathy reported after patients start using these medications. Hmm. Um, and so diabetic retinopathy is, um, causing harm to the retina or the part that helps you see in your eye. Um, and that, that the jury's still out on how pronounced that effect is, but um, it's something to consider if you have somebody that has vision problems already. Interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely had not heard that. What about Julie's favorite side effect, Ozempic face? Oh, geez. <laughs> You, Are you, you aware of this, Greg? <laughs> I, I am not aware of those epic things. Yeah, it was interesting. There was uh, there was like a little social media reel that was made uh, by a facial plastic surgeon um, talking about you know when folks they're calling it Ozempic face, which is folks that lose a lot of weight and then have um, like skin sagging or you know like excess skin and that kind of stuff, especially in the facial region. That this. I'm sure very nice and very capable uh, uh, facial plastic surgeon was talking about, you know, 
you know, procedures or things that he utilized to help treat that. And we just found it very interesting. And I didn't realize that Ozempic face was (laughs) was a thing, but it makes sense, I suppose. Yeah, I guess there's probably a lot of body parts that would be ozempicized, right? Like your belly and wherever else you could lose weight. So I guess it makes sense. I think it speaks to who I'm following on social media that I heard more about ozempic face before I heard about the actual ozempic craze. So I was like, what is ozempic? Why why are people even talking about ozempic? And then then Uh, here here we are having our episode. What have the studies shown for us in the use of diabetes specifically for ozempic? Um, I'm assuming that there's data, Greg, from the last, I don't know, five to six years, like, tell me, you know, a little bit more about, I think we can start with, is it a good diabetes drug? And then, so why was it approved for weight loss? Right, for sure. So um, diving into, is it good for folks with diabetes first? Um, yes, it's it's usually my go-to after metformin, as long as, you know, I don't think anybody's going to have any troubles with some of the side effects um, or the cost. Um, painting with a really broad brush, this class of medications over the last decade has been shown to reduce weight, um, for patients that have diabetes, but it's also been shown to reduce A1C by an average of one to two percentage points. And so that's pretty good. Um, you know, a lot of our oral diabetes medications don't even hit 1%. So, um, the fact that you're able to get almost 2% A1C reduction is nice. Um, and then the other thing that I'll just point out is for folks that have, you know, heart disease or strokes, a history of those, or are at high risk of having those, um, a lot of medications in this class, the GLP-1s, have been shown to cut that risk down um, by a few percentage points. So um, it's it's helpful from a cardiovascular health standpoint, too, especially if you're somebody that has a high risk for, for having an event. There's actually a lot to dig through in the statement you made there. So first of all, for those listening, A1C, maybe for people who don't have diabetes or aren't familiar with that, mm-hmm. that, that is a blood test that is done that gives you kind of like a three-month average of what your blood sugars have been. So it's a really nice test, especially for people who have diabetes or if you're screening for diabetes to kind of see where people are at. And it's generally in a point score. And so people who have a higher score or a higher number are generally less controlled diabetes. And so these tend to run the gamut between like six and 11. And anytime you're over about nine, like that's not ideal. So you're trying to get people kind of below nine if you have diabetes. And then I think, correct me if I'm wrong, diagnosis is six and a half, six. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Six and a half. So again, yeah, I, I kind of remember well. primary care. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, One point so, for, towards board recertification for GMP. Right. Thank you. So, but if you're having, if you have diabetes and your A1C is eight and a half, which is not ideal, and you put on this medication, and you lose one to two points. Now you're talking about seven and a half or six and a half, and that's ideal. And so that's one drug doing that. That's a really, really, really great outcome. The other thing that I think is really interesting in what you talked about is one of the things that you see all over, you know, the news outlets and social media right now is kind of the shortage that's going on in terms of finding this because people want it for weight loss, but also diabetics need it. And you'll see the videos from diabetics saying like, I need this medication and I can't find it. And one of the questions I had was like, at what line is this medication happening? Is this somebody who's getting this like the fourth diabetes drug? And so in that case, not as many people need it, but it sounds like this is one that's kind of like right after metformin. So there actually are a ton of diabetics who need this medication. Am I accurate there? 
Yeah, for sure. And and I think, you know, when you and I were training together, you know, 10 years ago or so, again, these were not really covered by insurances. We didn't really have some of the the long-term data that we have now. And so they and they were expensive. And so they kind of fell later on in therapy. But as we're learning, as we're getting more information, they are covered by insurances and um like no financial disclosures here. I, I am a let's go to a GLP-1 agonist right. more often than not after metformin compared to some of your other diabetes medications that are out there for, for the benefits that we've already talked about. So a diabetic who you submit this drug for, generally speaking, is getting it covered by insurance is what you're saying. At least in my practice, that's that's true. Now your copays are probably going to vary. Um, sure. You know, you 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 may have to use coupons or something like that that the companies will offer. But yeah, I, I would say that most folks with diabetes will have some coverage for a, one of these medications in the class. Cool. Yeah, Julie kind of transitioned this, us there to start talking about Wagovi. So maybe talk about kind of the emergence of Wagovi and 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 where we're at with that. Uh, yeah, for sure. So, um, so Wegovy is the exact same medication that's in Ozempic. It's semaglutide or semaglutide. Um, and once we started getting that longer term data that this medication can help um, patients lose weight, uh, pharm- pharmaceutical companies aren't dumb. They, they see these things, they recognize these things. And so they go out and they um, put a lot of money and effort and resources into studying it. Um, and so they have studied um, the semaglutide for weight loss, um, and it's actually gone through FDA approval within the last couple of years. And so now this drug can not only be marketed for folks that have diabetes, but it also can be marketed to folks that um, are overweight or obese or have you know a, a need to lose weight. Um, and so I think that's where the rubber meets the road here is because it's the same active ingredient both for folks for diabetes as well as for folks to lose weight. Um, and anytime you, you kind of have that, you're going to run into shortages, especially with, you know, the weight issues that we have in this, in this country. Yeah. As far as Wigovi being utilized to help folks lose weight, is there a target audience that the, the maker of the medication or any other um, sort of governing bodies have made recommendations towards who we should be offering this to as far as like meeting certain requirements or something that there's guidelines of who may benefit from this or who should this should be offered to because i think that's that's the million dollar question here what do you think right Right. And so um, I think that the all of the studies, I mean, you had to be overweight and most of the initial studies were in folks that were that were in the obese category. So they, um, you know, had BMIs that were over 30 um, and BMIs body mass index. So so those would be the folks that you would you would probably prefer to start. Um, You know, I, I think what social media is telling us is that people that are not even in the overweight or obese categories are are using these medications and that's where some i guess the angst and frustration is coming from um and i think the other thing just to note is that all the trials um that will look at this medication for weight loss always have in both arms a lifestyle education component so patients are not just given this drug and saying all right go on they're they're learning about better eating choices how to incorporate exercise into their diet um, or into their lifestyle. So I, I think that, you know, finding somebody that is motivated, that's going to be willing to kind of, 
um, do some lifestyle adjustment and also wants to get a good jump start on weight loss is, is who the right person is for, for this medication. Is it taken the exact same way? So like if, if I was taking it once a week for diabetes, am I doing that the same thing for weight loss? Yeah, it's taking the exact same way. Um, the only difference is that the Wegovy formulation um, has two different doses. So where Ozempic caps out at two milligrams, the Wegovy goes up to 2.4 milligrams. Mm. And there's an interim dose at 1.7 for Wegovy where um, Ozempic goes from uh, one milligrams right to two milligrams. So there's a little difference there. Um I think that was probably in the pharmaceutical company's best interest to, you know, have a dis differentiation so that they can, you know, say, if you really want to use it for weight loss, this is the, the drug you have to do and they can maybe sell more product. But yeah. And then t let's just go into like what being FDA approved really means. So like, obviously this drug existed already under a different brand name and was available for diabetics. Now it's FDA approved for weight loss. So does that mean insurance covers it now? Does that mean prescribers can prescribe it easier? Like what does that actually mean for the general public? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, FDA regulates the, the medications in this country. Um, before medications approved, it has to go through a lot of rigorous testing. They'll, they'll do it in, um, uh, in people that don't have any disease that are otherwise healthy. Um, and then they'll move on to people that have the disease and then do it on a larger scale as typical um, for getting a drug to market. Um, with this medication, though, they didn't have to start at, you know, stage one because they already showed that it didn't, you know, cause people to um, die earlier or have any really negative outcomes. So they really only had to start getting patients for some of those larger studies to show weight loss. Um, and so once you receive FDA approval, I mean, that's a really good thing for the, the manufacturer because that is going to start to allow them to um, you know, push the medication, get it out there to commercials, talk to doctors who um, talks about it. Um, it does take some time to get on formularies, as we all know. Um, you know, so some of these medications for weight loss have been out for a couple of years, and we're just now seeing in my own state that the Medicaid formulary has picked it up as of this uh, January, mm. that if, if you have that insurance, they're, they're covering it for you before it required a you know, a prior authorization and approval, you kind of had to go toe to toe with the insurance man uh, to get it to get it covered. So, so for the weight loss version of this, it still may be an insurance by insurance, state by state type of situation. If somebody was looking into that, yeah, I I would venture that um, nine times out of ten, your physician is going to have to kind of go to bat for you with the insurance company and and show that this is a necessary thing that you've been educated on some of those lifestyle things that I mentioned earlier in order to to get it approved. I assume it needs a prescription too, right? Like, so we're seeing it all over social media. It's not like you can just order this thing. Yeah. So one of the, one of the more disturbing things I saw was like, you go on Groupon and there's like advertisements. I did see on Groupon. It's fake. They're, they're fake drugs. I don't recommend that as a pharmacist. Yeah. You should go to your regular nice pharmacist down the corner and uh, get it from them. Um, and then I guess the only other plug I'd put in there is, you know, we have, and you guys are probably struggling with this as physicians, all these pop-up online kind of concierge services. You, mm -hmm. you have the for hims, for hers. And so, I, you know, people can order medications online from a licensed professional. And these medications have side effects and consequences that we should, you know, be talking to patients about. So 
I would just have your listeners talk to your regular primary care doctor that you see to, if you're interested in this and not go um, into this without them on your side. Yeah. Yeah, there was a really good post by Danielle Bellardo, who's a physician. She's a cardiologist, right, Jeremy? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And she was talking about if you're seeing somebody offering you um, batched, like from 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 a large vial, <laughs> taking things out and giving you Ozempic or Wegovy, um, stop there. <laughs> this should be, you know, I, I think the, the above board way to do this is to receive a prescription for you and only for you from your healthcare provider that has, you know, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, but usually the, the, the way that this is administered is via like a, like a pen or something, right? Or how do you like, how do you, how does it get your skin? Yeah, it's, it's, it's administered in a pen. So, um, the, those device make delivery really easy. Oftentimes you'll just screw on a little needle on top and do an injection and push down on, on the button to, to give you the medicine. There's no drying up. There's none of that. It's really foolproof. So, um, if, if folks are getting their hands on on these medications and drawing up individual doses, I would definitely be questioning that because you don't know yes. what ultimately is in the, the the vial that or syringe you're getting. Yeah, yeah. think EpiPen for those listening, like yes. same kind of concept, right? Yeah. yeah, and I also think there's enough controversy and concern around all of this stuff not to add additional levels of concern of what the hell's in the syringe. Yes, one hundred percent. Yes, let the buyer beware. Times a million. Right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, speaking of that too, you know, do we have long-term studies on weight loss? Like, how long can you safely take this? What happens if you stop it? Like, what what's the? Do we have information about long-term effects of this medication, Greg? We don't really have long-term data for folks with um, that are using it for weight loss. Um, the the long-term data we have is really for those with diabetes. But I think what we're seeing is that. If, if you're not learning good, um, you know, food choices, if you're not exercising and you're really just counting on this medication to alter your, um, your food intake, once you stop it, you do tend to gain that weight back. Um, and anecdotally, I've, I've had people just stop it for one way or the other. They couldn't get a hold of it, insurance, whatever. And they, they had a pretty rapid um, kind of comeback of their weight. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is something that, you know, if you want to maintain the results, you might have to keep taking. And that's where I think we as, as physicians and pharmacists and the healthcare community can really help people make better lifestyle choices so that once the weight's off, they can keep it off in a more natural way. Yeah, I think that's a really good segue, Julie, because I think the concept would be is you're pretty much committing to this drug for the rest of your life if you want to like maintain the results because we all know that the other data says that keeping weight off is damn near impossible yes. and so you know like no matter lifestyle changes or not like you know 95 percent of people are going to gain back weight um within you know one to five years after trying to lose it so you want the results of this drug you're basically committing to it forever um and we just don't know what that means for somebody who's trying to lose weight who's not a diabetic at least not right yeah. now I want to I want to give Greg a lot of credit for <laughs> for for so far up to this in this episode. I think Greg, we've asked you a lot of really difficult questions, and you've done an amazing job of answering them very diplomatically and very objectively, as a great pharmacist does. So I want to give you a lot of credit because I think you know we didn't lob you um, some some easy softballs here. You know, especially the question of who should be taking this that that is the million dollar question, and and I think. I would encourage our listeners to keep listening to our podcast because today this episode is about 
providing objective evidence-based information, particularly about this drug that everybody's talking about right now. But I just want to give you a little peek into the future that we are going to have some episodes coming up, particularly about what Jeremy just touched on, which is um, (laughs) what is obesity? Is it a disease? What's the BMI? Is it helpful? All that stuff. And I think if that's something that you're interested in talking about and hearing us talk about and have a conversation about, um, please listen for some future episodes that I'm super yeah, excited Yeah, and there's there's great people giving great perspectives on this, like Aubrey Gordon with Maintenance Phase and Reagan Chastain, who has a yep. sub stack. And there's lots of great people that are putting out good information on kind of like that kind of concept, which we think is super important to talk oh about. Um, yes. So at the end of the day, this is, this is meant to give everybody information on the drug. But um, yep. I want to pivot real quick because I think we've, we've really gone through most things that I can think about with this drug, but there's one other area and that's kids because those new AAP guidelines came out, which are controversial. And again, this is not a whole episode on those, but in terms of one of the things in those guidelines was, is that kids as low as 12, I believe can start taking this medication. Are there, is there data on kids taking these drugs? Like, do we have data Uh, on 12 year olds taking these? Yeah, we do. Um, There's actually a trial that was um, recently published, came in my inbox within the last couple of months um, that looked at kids between 12 and 18 years of age. Um, And they had to be, you know, we don't use BMI the same way for kids as we do adults. So um, if you have a young one, you've taken to the doctor's office, usually talking about a percentile. Um, So for kids um, to be enrolled in the study, they had to have a BMI at least in the 85th percentile. Um, And most of the kids that were ultimately enrolled were in the 95th percentile. So they were um, on the higher end of the BMI spectrum. Um, And the results were pretty significant. Um, There was a 16% change in uh, a decrease in in kids' BMIs who entered the study. Um, And 73% of the folks that took the semaglutide compared to 18% that took placebo lost at least 5% of their body weight. Um, So this class of medications can be really effective for our younger folks. it, the the trade-off though is that you know a decent amount of the participants actually had um, acute coliothiasis, uh, so they had gallstones that had to be treated. Um, what percent removed. of people so, was that? Was that like a high percentage per- of people? Four percent, which is oh, it's not nothing. Not nothing. <laughs> how many people were in the study? So like how many? People uh, I think I think it was like 200, 200 total uh, okay. individuals. Yeah. So again, just to put the the asterisk on this, I think the debate on whether kids should be taking this for weight loss and what that does for them for their long-term health is probably seven episodes in itself. I think the real question that we want to make sure we're answering on this podcast is, is there enough data out there to say that if a 13-year-old started this tomorrow, that the person who has made the decision that that is the right thing for their 13-year-old can know it's safe? And so outside of colothiasis or gallstones, was there anything else that we should be concerned about in 12 to 18-year-olds? That was the that was the biggest kind of finding that I haven't already talked about, which, you know, those common side effects of, you know, GI nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, that'll always be there when you take this medicine. So, cool. all right. Anything you want to add there, Julie? No, that was very helpful. Thanks, Greg cool. and Jeremy. All right. What haven't we hit on? What other common misconceptions are you seeing in your social media f- feed, Greg, about these things? What should we debunk and clarify before we uh, people move on to their next podcast? Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, I think I think we covered a lot of the a lot of the ground here. Um, you know, as somebody that is a diabetes educator and works with folks with diabetes, um, I have had folks come into the office and say, "Hey, I can't get a hold of this because of the shortage." Um, so you know, it is affecting patient care, and I, and I'm seeing it. 
Um, and, and I just want to say that again, you know, it's the hardest thing to do, but changing lifestyle is the most important thing that anybody can do. So thinking about what you're eating and the activity you get and trying to make changes to that, I think is the best thing you can do. Um, I'll do a quick plug and you, you both might've read this. I, I read this book over the summer um, by Michael Pollan called In Defense of Food. Um, really easy read. It was on the New York Times bestsellers, um, but he does a really nice job of taking the evidence of, um, you know, kind of processed foods and um, this nutritionism society that we live in and breaks it down for you. And, and at the end of the book, you really understand that, hey, we need to probably be eating more of what we're not, which is vegetables and plants and less of the easy to grab process stuff that most Americans live on. So um, that's that's the last plug that I'll give you guys just something to think about. Um, really quick, because it just feeds into uh, the interview. Good pun. Episode, if you want to. Yeah. Um, is uh, one tiny, two lines of the quote from, from John Lovett from Love It or Leave It when he did a fake ad about Ozempic, which made me laugh. And um, the, the, the quote is, uh, quote, we're all just scrambling to meet impossible expectations in a society that we've designed to trap most people in sedentary, extremely stressful lifestyles with limited access to anything but processed foods that taste fucking incredible. <laughs> That's kind of what you were talking about here, Greg. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's true. It's hard to get away from, but yeah. Put it on a t-shirt. Um, yeah. <laughs> so just, uh, I'm going to summarize and wrap up, um, Julie, and then you can give everybody a finishing line if you got one, cause you're the got creative, uh, you're, you're the, you're that side brain of this podcast. Um, <laughs> so we, we've established that semi-glutide is a drug that's been around for, well, you know, probably close to, uh, 2017. So in the type of drug has been around actually longer than that and is a really, really effective diabetes medication and, and, and frankly seems to be near first or second line for patients. So when people who are diabetic are asking for this drug and saying their shortages, like they really mean it and we really should be prioritizing diabetics uh, with this drug. Now, we've also talked about the weight loss aspects of it in terms of the safety protocols, as well as the reason it happens with kind of like gastric emptying. You're not like your stomach's not getting uh, as empty as fast and you feel full. And then there's also a nausea component. So, you know, sometimes the food makes you feel nauseous and you have to decide if that's something you want to have going on for yourself. Um, you know, but ultimately I think what I want to leave everybody with is that th this podcast specifically, Julie and myself, um, are, are very strongly feel that, that BMI and, and, and body mass index is, is, is a very poor indicator of health and that we are trying to move ourselves and also society a little bit more towards a health paradigm away from a weight paradigm, meaning you do healthy things for yourself, no matter what you look like or how much you weigh. Mm -hmm. And so a few lines on obesity and that the use of drugs of weight loss is highly controversial. And, you know, we don't specifically endorse any form of weight loss efforts. We're not endorsing either of these medications for that situation. We're not telling anybody that they need to lose weight by having this conversation. This is a personal decision between you and your physician, you and your family, you and yourself. Um, mm -hmm. um, and you should be clear about the goals the expected outcomes, and then maybe most importantly, kind of the risks and side effects. You should always go into those things. What is the likelihood I'm going to lose the weight I want? What is the goal weight I want to lose? How long do I want to have it off for? And 
what's the likelihood of me keeping it off? Um, and all of those things are important. So yep. we hope to address this larger topic as we talked about before in the future, we're going to have more and more uh, information out. There's a lot of great people doing great stuff in this area, but we really, really thought it was important to talk about semi-glutide, Ozempic, Wigovi on this podcast as soon as we could to combat all the info that's going viral uh, on the internet. So with that, if this was helpful, please share it with somebody else, you know, share it on social media, whatever you can to kind of get this information out. So people at least don't have to Google semi-glutide to figure out what everybody's talking about. Like they can go on and try to figure out what the drug is and then make personal decisions. Heard chef. I love Heard, it. Heard chef. Yeah. Step down from my, my soapbox there. <laughs> There's no soapbox. So to wrap it up, the use of Ozempic, Wegovi, semi-glutide can be a weighty issue. This was just the skinny about the drug. Listen to your doctor, friends. <laughs> the amazing music is credited to Skillcell with Pixabay licensure. The podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. The contents of this podcast should not be taken as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Please consult a medical professional for any medical issues that you may be having. The contents of this podcast are the opinions of the hosts only and do not reflect the opinions of their employers or affiliations. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Under no circumstances shall Dr. Julie Bruni or Dr. Jeremy Allen or any guest to the podcast be responsible for damages arising from use of the podcast. Music